You're listening to Last Word Soccer Club Radio. Only here, lastwordonsports.com. What's up, Internet? It's Rachel from Last Word Soccer Club Radio. We are about to listen to a podcast episode with an exclusive interview with Megan Young. She is the Seattle Sounders um, head athletic trainer. She has been with the club for uh, a little over two years now. Um, It was great to interview her, great to chat about her, all things Seattle, some fun questions about her time in Chicago with the Red Stars of the National Women's Soccer League. So sit back and enjoy the show. We hope you guys enjoy it. But before we get into our interview with Megan, we just want to give a shout out, of course, to all of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Last Word on Sports, Last Word SC Radio, Icarus FC, Roughneck Scarves, and Athletic Greens. Um, And just to tell you quickly about Athletic Greens, we'd like to give a shout out to them. Their signature AG1 is perfect for daily nutrients and gut health support. AG1 solves two of the most important health needs, the nutrients your body needs each day, and the foundation of long-term gut health. Together, they fuel whole body health, impacting everything from sleep, digestion, energy, mood, immunity, to the health of your skin, hair, and nails. Simply follow the, the link in our show description and get started today. Thanks, and enjoy our interview with Megan Young. Megan, just... Uh, introduce yourself to listeners to tell us how long you've been with the Sounders and and you know what how, how your journey got there. Sure uh, first of all thank you to Last Word for having me on and it's been great getting to know you just through this process uh, and sharing a little bit about kind of that performance side within soccer so much of you know the work is done on the players and the team being the team behind the team is a unique position so how I got here I did not travel the quote unquote normal path into into soccer and for sure into men's soccer in that I was not a player. I did not play professionally in the sport. So automatically people are going, well, how does that work? So um, I started off um, born and raised in Durham, North Carolina. I actually competed in college as a collegiate thrower. So I threw the shot put discus and hammer. And um, from that, I went on to grad school. I knew I wanted to be in performance. So at that time, many years ago, I won't age myself, but that's okay. Many years ago, I searched out what is a program that is based around performance and not just around lab research. And at that time, Baylor University was one of the top. So I went to Baylor for grad school. After that, uh, took a professional internship in the SEC at Auburn University, working in American football, baseball, and women's soccer. Went on uh, and women's basketball. Was there 12 years, had a full-time job promoted, went back to school a couple of times there. Um, and then I had an opportunity to go work in the NWSL. So I went to Chicago as a high performance director for the Chicago Red Stars. Amazing opportunity in 2019 to kind of help continue to build what performance looks like in the women's game in our national league. And after that, I got a phone call gauging my interest for a potential role here in Seattle uh, towards the end of 21. And uh, for those of you that don't know, like sport and life very rarely align to put you in the same place where you'd want to be and also your partner would want to be. 
Um, and Seattle was one of those places. So jumped on the opportunity and I've been here since uh, in kind of end October 21. And here we are. Yeah. And in that time, it's it's obviously like COVID. You came during those like COVID seasons and stuff like that. Of course, you know, 2020 was a bit different because the MLS is back. Um, 2021, they were allowed to play in front of crowds and stuff again. But what was it kind of like, you know, working with the players and and you know, still, you know, following the COVID protocols and, and still having that, like, you know, time with them to, you know, enhance their their performance goals? Yeah, so the NWSL situation was a little bit different than how the MLS did theirs. So NWSL, we ended up having about 50 days in Utah for a tournament together, um, and they called it the Challenge Cup. And so basically then we were locked down to a hotel, like it it was not like a big resort. It was literally a normal hotel. So th that wasn't the most uh, amazing experience of Utah, but it was a way to get games in and uh, continue to grow the league. So awesome that that happened. Um, before that, everything just depended on where you were. So I think we went for like March 20 uh, for about 13 weeks. We did just all remote training. Um, so we do daily check-ins, just kind of rotating through half the roster each day and then just doing different video chats, things like that. We already had some remote training software in place to help with these things. So that was kind of an easier transition for us because we were already using something like that. And then the hardest part was figuring out if, when, and where we could get training in. So the state of Illinois was actually shut down longer than the state of Wisconsin. So we would drive to Wisconsin every day to go train at a random field that we found. And so that was an interesting couple of weeks there, but it got us in a good enough place to be able to go to Utah to get consistent training in. They have some beautiful grounds there and uh, get some games. And then after that, like it was, there's a couple more games in the NWSL season. And then going to 21, it was more of like a testing protocol that had to be upheld. So I give a lot of credit to the sports medicine side and how they worked with the doctors, physicians, and medical groups um, to just kind of keep that consistent testing and make sure that, you know, once we were in, okay, you're safe to be in, now let's train. So, um, and everywhere was different. MLS was different than NWSL, different than NBA, di different from M uh, MLB on what their protocols were. So I can't really speak to how much their protocols and what that was like in 20, because I didn't get here till end of 21. So yeah, we were still testing when I first got here um, and definitely even towards the end of that season. And then 22, um, it's been more of a, it was more of a normal if there's a new normal of training. And so working with the players and talking about the performance gains during those times, not as difficult as you would think, because a lot of times with players, it's about the relationship anyways, and just kind of meeting them where they're at. And it's like, okay, what equipment do we have? What do we need to get you? Or what have you already established as a good working uh, situation for you in whatever your living situation is? So yeah, it was definitely different, but I think that, you know, if I had to choose the keyword of a coach in performance, it's adaptable. And that just allowed us to flex that adaptability to show you know, how diverse we can actually operate in. And th there isn't a lot of coaching wise people that jump from 
you know, NWSL to MLS or MLS to NWSL, but on like the back end, creative media, you know, sports coach, um, medicine, stuff like that. There are a lot of jumps between the two leagues. What was your jump like from the NWSL to MLS, especially with such a big organization like Seattle? Yeah, um, one, I wouldn't even call it a jump. I just call it a different environment because I think that I was dealing with pros at the highest level of the world in the NWSL, and I'm dealing with pros of some of the highest order in American soccer. So it's like when I look at the players and I look at the people and I look at the purpose, those things are aligned. To your point, the organization, the resources, and the value can be different because of the how big the league is of the MLS and how long it's been around. Um, and a good example of that is just departmental structure. Here, I'm one of four people on our performance staff. Whereas in Chicago, when I first got there, I was in a one. So it's just very different in terms of how that's built. So that makes coming into this situation even easier. Just like you see now, um, a good example is performance coaches moving from different pro sports leagues. They go from NBA to NFL over to hockey. And it's like, oh, well, how can they do that if they didn't play the game? And I'm like, well, performance is a lens that can be looked at through understanding the game not necessarily having had to play it. Um, it, it. So it's a little bit different in our world versus like the technical side of coaching where, you know, Andy Rose, one of our assistant coaches, was a player here as a sounder. Like all of those things make sense. Like you, you have to have kind of a different coaching path. Our coaching path can involve many different sports or or not. So we can stay in one world. Um, and then I think the speaking just to the Seattle Sounders culture organization, like obviously Garth just went to Atlanta. I really enjoyed getting to know him. Craig O'Leibel, um, now our GM, I think is doing a great job and is one of the reasons, you know, I was excited to come here was because of him and Garth. And then, you know, Sean Muldoon, Adam Chintafanti, uh, the guys that I get to work with on a daily basis. Awesome. As far as being a female in the MLS, I would love to see more. Um, so it's something that I reflect on every day of like, you know, how can we get more great coaches that also happen to be women into these positions? And um, so that's why I'm going to stay here as long as I can in different different professional organizations, different leagues, whatever, to help show that that is possible. What, um, you know, to that point of of more, you know, women joining, you know, male I guess, centered leagues, like, you know, you, you said you had experience with both college athletics and, and with, you know, American football and, 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 and MLS, just kind of like, what has been maybe like a piece of advice that like, maybe you've learned from this experience that you share or, or would like to share to others that are trying to, you know, trying to break through into these leagues? Yeah, I think that, a lot often, um, and I've said this before, we mirror coaching that we see or learn when we're young in our career. And what I've figured out over the past 15 years is my version of coaching is a blend of a lot of different um, personalities, depths, volumes. So the spectrum of that is vast. So I can be the loud presence. I can be the soft-spoken one. I can give internal cues, external cues. I can demo, like all of those things are going to enhance your confidence. But knowing who you really are as a person 
so that you can be the same person as you are as a coach is what's going to allow you to do this for a lot longer. If there's a split between, I don't know who I am yet, but here's the coach I'm trying to be. Well, you're living pretty far apart from what your life could be like. Whereas if you can bring those two things together. So I am coach Meg, you know, mega strong, whatever, if I'm here or if I'm hanging out with my friends or whatever. So I think that just discovering more of who you are, which is part of the life journey too, right? It's the same within coaching and then being confident in that person, because that also allows you to do things like set boundaries, set expectations. And um, it's really easy, even in your world, right? To just give more, give more, give more. Well, eventually if you're just burning the candle and giving, you're, you're forgetting to refuel your own kind of, you know, fuel and say, how do I keep growing? And growth is kind of that ignition to keep going. I want to um, talk about the life journey for a minute. I was reading some articles about you um, and learned that you are you are a cancer survivor. Um, and just how has that you know impacted? I guess, for lack of a better phrase, your your life journey and you know both your career and and in your personal life. Well, I wouldn't have met my fiance had I not gone through that experience. So one, like that, that's probably one of the highlights that's come out of that. And then the other is it's not often that a 30 year old gets to go through something to understand exactly who they are and what's important to them. So to be able to have that happen in my thirties, instead of in my forties, fifties, or sixties, I think sometimes I, I sit around and I joke because my favorite age population is 65 plus uh, to talk to and hang out with because they've lived the most life. They have the most experience to share. And oftentimes you'll hear them talking about this, this pivotal point in their life when something clicked or something made them realize, like, I need to change careers, change relationships, change whatever. And I view myself fortunate. I'm like, I think that happened for me, but it was through the lens of cancer and, uh, or through leukemia. And so happy to be on the other side of that. I can actually say that I'm cured. And so just going through that process, one, um, being a, uh, a coach that happens to be a woman, regardless of where you are, there's probably not many more around you. Just that's just the world that we work in. It's not just because I'm in MLS, even at the college there, if you look at every institution, SEC, ACC, whatever, the, there's not many places that are going to have more than one or especially more than two women coaches at the same organization. And so that that is a different thing to operate in. And you you don't even necessarily realize it because like you're so busy working and going through these things. You're like, wow, my support is mostly remote of other people like me. Um, and so when I went through this whole cancer journey, it was the overwhelming support from soccer, from football, from strength coaches, from college coaches, from admin, from all these people I didn't know. I, I think that's so amazing to feel that amount of love of people that I haven't even connected with. So anything, anytime you can put all those together and come out on the other side of it, it's hard not to just be grateful. Yeah, I was, I was reading something um, and coach Brian Schmetzer said about you, you know, she just connects with people. Um, and that's, I think that's so important. And it's so, it's so easy. I used to work as a waitress um, and a bartender. And I always, I always used to say like, I can talk to anybody about anything. Like 
granted, I also lived in a town where everybody knew my dad, but <laughs> like if, if I saw somebody come in in like a sports jersey or something, I'd be, I'd talk a little bit of smack or whatever if they came in, like I'm from Pittsburgh or Ravens jersey or something. But like, you know, just, just connecting with people, I, I think is, is so important in just life. Um, so how do you connect with the athletes that you work with, not just as, you know, coach Megan, but as, you know, just the person? Yeah, one, there is no difference between the coach Megan and the person. Um, and then two, you you said literally what I call my purpose is connection, whether it's people to each other, people to themselves or people to information like we work in a digital age. So sometimes it's connecting to that piece. Sometimes it's just being a sounding board because people need to connect with themselves and feel like someone's holding space for them to do that. And sometimes it's that player coach relationship. So um, I'll give you a good example of just one here is uh, Xiao Paulo is kind of in stage of his rehab process, right? And so we've spent a lot of time together over the past few months. And um, just when you're in kind of that, day to day and um, just living in the dirt with someone of the day to day work of trying to get them back to where they're growing, that forges a different relationship. And the same thing to be said for there's plenty of younger players here that, you know, the day to day consistency that they get from just me showing up and being who I am and being present for them every day goes a long way, let alone the training prescription, the education, and all those other things that need to also be appropriate. So um, uh, it's just like, if I gave you a plan right now, I could give anyone my program of what I do with these guys, but it it will not be the same as you having the experience of me being there to coach it. And me understanding when you walk in, I don't need to look at all these readiness tools or anything. I can tell just by how you walk in the door, because I've spent so much time with you, three things automatically. And I'm like, Oh, nope. Pivot on that. Yep. Add that. Okay. We're doing that. And so it's just any type of relationship. Someone you care about walks in, they don't have to talk for you to know what they're feeling. So it, being able to leverage being empathetic and, and being um, able to read people like that's my superpower and then cause connection out of that. That's what I'm grateful to do. Has there been, you know, whether it's with Chicago or with the Sounders, has there been like a, 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 some players that you've really just connected with or, or any players that you, you know, you said you shared, shared a lot of time with Jao Paulo that maybe you got to know super well during, you know, re rehabbing and any funny stories too about any of them? Um, I mean, so that question will come across to my players, like who's my favorite? And I will live and die by that question. So I, I won't ever point out a favorite. I can tell you from Chicago, um, Sarah Gordon, who's now with Angel City, has been one of my favorite people to get to know um, and just like understand. One, because I'm infatuated with her elite tra track level speed as a, as a soccer player um, and then being able to work with that. And then, um, yeah, just helping them all on their path. Everyone's story is so impressive and unique and different, right? Like it's not just about what their name is. Like Sarah Lubert has an amazing story, but she's not one of the national team players I've worked with, but you know, all of them, every one of them deserves a platform to have their story shared because all of their stories are so impressive and they've made it into a position that 
how many players start off as young kids that want to play pro or have their jersey, you know, like, um, so me allowing that story to continue and just be a small chapter in that, that that's good enough for me. Funny stories. Um, funny stories. I think it's uh, one, the dog storyline of players with dogs and my own dog is a separate relationship. I have an English cream golden retriever and you should know if you have a golden retriever, there are other people who have golden retrievers that you automatically assume you have a lot in common with. And so some of my players that have had dogs over the years, like they look like their dogs. It's been a lot of times, you know, like I just, I love those stories. Like Nikki Stanton's a good one like that. I love her relationship with her dog. And yeah, just there's plenty of great stories of great players all over and um, grateful that I've had a chance to support them. Do you, do you check out the OL rain games often? Oh yeah. Anytime I can. Um, uh, Scott Parkinson, big shout out to him. He was one of our assistant coaches in Chicago who went on to Gotham, who now we've stolen over to the Pacific Northwest. Good job rain. Um, so just, I'm really impressed with the group they put together over there. Um, and just continuing to support the women's game, um, until OL, OL play Chicago, then I'm net neutral. I don't say anything. I wear all black. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I will always support any of the players I have relationships with. I'm really excited for their season to get going. The the nice thing about last word on soccer is we get to, you know, write about the teams that we are, we are fans of. I've been a Sounders fan since about 2010. And, you know, I, I slowly, because of, you know, the Sounders and just enjoying Seattle affiliates. I like the Mariners. I've, I've always liked the Seahawks, um, became a rain fan. And when the rain got Veronica Latsko from Pittsburgh, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I was so happy. Like she's, she's a native. She's, she's become a very good friend of mine. So I was thrilled when they got her. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I mean, in the women's game, just the ability to add uh, depth in each position in their rosters and just like seeing the number of teams coming into the fold like it just I hope the league just continues to grow and compete to be the best league on on planet earth as long as possible yeah you took the words out of my mouth because I was gonna ask what what have you seen now jumping from MLS you are enjoying you know NWSL as a fan now um for the most part, you know, what, what kind of growth have you seen and, you know, just how proud are you to see some of the former players that you've worked with just excelling or even if they've moved on to different areas uh, and whatnot? Yeah. I mean, I have, I can speak from the college perspective too. There are so many great players from college that 10 years ago um, would have been in the league if there was more teams, right? Like it's kind of the same situation as the WNBA. There's only a certain number of roster spots, a certain number of teams. So like that leaves a lot of really good players searching either to go elsewhere, but then the compensation may not be worth them going into pro. So they go pro in life is what I call it. And they crush it in the business world as doctors, in whatever space they want to go in. And those success stories mean just as much to me as the World Cup winners and all of those things, because it doesn't matter to whatever your golden or North Star is. It's just that you're working towards that. Um, and then within the league specifically, and the continuing of building departments and resources of the team behind the team. I think the Washington Spirit 
um, with Mark Gregorian as a president are going to do some really good things. I think that um, the ownership now behind Chicago are going to do some really good things. And I'm interested to see just the rain, Angel City, all the San Diego, how do they continue to build? And it's not just adding numbers. It's also adding value. So not just hiring a young, eager person to come into the league, but hiring the right seasoned experienced of whatever uh, department that is to increase value within within each of these positions. Plenty of people want to work in pro sports doesn't mean plenty of people deserve to work in pro sports. Yeah, and you know, from from MLS, there's obvious growth and and everything to to there with expansion teams and whatnot. You came in 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 October 2021, and then in May of 2022, you guys got another. I think it was May, uh, another trophy on on the shelf uh, with the Concacaf Champions League. What was that experience like? You know, you traveling to Mexico, and where where was that one club at Honduras? Honduras, yeah. yeah so Honduras. I think it's, I think anytime you're in, like, that's what this club is about, is about winning success, development of the person, the player, like what this club stands for in the community is just amazing. But Champions League, specifically that final, even though JP got hurt in that final, uh, you can see him celebrating after and like the joy of doing something that's never been done in American soccer history of being the first club to win that. And then this year being able to go to FIFA club world cup and compete in Morocco. Like obviously it was not the result we wanted in that game, but on the flip side of that, I, I don't think that myself or even the team, like we're just, we're not going to just be happy to be somewhere because the founders are about competition and you look in our performance department, you look in these coaches and like Brian Schmetzer, what he's about, like the, the resume can speak for itself, but um, I'm so proud to be a part of that group and uh, to understand that so much work went into every area leading up into that championship, the buy-in from the players, the culture of the group, like it, it was a special moment. And um I'll, I'll never forget the roar of the crowd for that second and third goal. I was like, oh my gosh, like I've never, I don't think I've experienced anything that loud. Um, maybe other than like we won a national championship in 2010 in Arizona. It was pretty loud, but the, this just being outside, you know how the Seattle stadium is. It's so loud. So um, that was super special. And and Seattle hasn't had, you know, a lot of roster turnover this year. A Bear comes in. I know um, you know, Will Broom was probably one of the biggest names that, that went to Austin FC. Um, you know, how how important is it for you? How excited are you in, in really your second full season with the team to be able to work with, you know, the, almost the same guys? Yeah, that's also unique, right? Like in the college system, well, it's different with transfer portal now but you typically get three to four years with people and, and in pro sports you just never know um you know contract years transfers loans all these things so to be honest it's whoever's in front of me just being fully present and helping that person that day in that moment that's the win and whatever else is a bonus and the relationships that come out of that like I told Will he owes me tacos when I come to Texas. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I think that those relationships don't change just because 
of where they go. It is special to be a part of our group and our club and our organization. And I'm super happy to have nearly the same roster, like you pointed out, and Haber, great guy, great, great addition. Really happy for him to be here. Um, so, yeah, I, that is unique to have less turnover. I have I have a couple, you know, fun more fun questions to ask uh, as as we wrap up here. You get to Seattle. What is, you know, some of the first things that uh, Brian Schmetzer says to you? First thing coach ever said to me, and he'll kill me that I just called a coach, but he walked in and I haven't even met him. And you gotta remember, October eleventh was my first day. October tenth, Chicago Red Stars were playing the rain in Tacoma. So I literally just didn't travel back with the team. And I show up the next day, October, or maybe it was the 11th, there was a day in between or something, and for training. And he walked into our gym and goes, I'm really glad you're here. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Like, I thought it was just like a normal, like, first day, like, glad you're here. No, he had uh, watched a presentation I had done. And he goes like, no, I mean, I'm glad you're here. And he meant like to be alive, to be in part of the group. So he had already done due diligence on me. And I think that speaks to something. They're, they're in the middle, well, second, third of their season, games online and everything. And he as a person still took time to try and know me before we met. And that's a really cool uh, initiative by a head coach. Yeah, he's definitely, I know I'm biased here, but he's definitely one of the nicer coaches that I've I've been privilege to talk to um if, if you were playing a game of soccer tennis with the chicago red stars who would you not want to play against and who would you want to have on your team oh oh how many people are on a team so it's you're you, it's just two you, and, two you and yeah you and a teammate and then two others wow i'm probably going me and Tierna Davidson, because she's competitive, but can keep me level-headed and offset all my terrible touch attempts. <laughs> and uh, the, who am I playing against? Like, who do I want to play against or who do I not want to play against? Who would you not want to play against at all? Oh. Uh, hmm. Mal Pugh. Oh. Uh, we'll go team when I was there, Yuki Nagasato, like put those two together. You're, you're going to get destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> if if you had to line up a penalty kick past any of the Sounders goalkeepers, who do you not want to <laughs> face? And, and who do you think you could sneak it past? <laughs> uh, you know, wow. <laughs> uh, I don't want to face any of them. Uh, but we'll just go youngest guy. Youngest guy, Jacob, I'm stinging it past you um, just because you're the new guy. And guy I don't want to face, um, Andrew Thomas. <laughs> Great. I love that. Um, I got the chance to speak with um, Steph Cleveland last year uh, for a story for Fansided. He is just one of the nicest, truly one of the nicest guys on the planet. Um so I'm, I'm kind of glad you didn't say him for sneaking past him because I think I would have felt bad. <laughs> no, like, um, so the goalkeeper union group here and what Tommy does with them, like, that's a special group. And those are my guys. Like, well, and in pro sports, that's like the most common phrase ever. That's my guy. Those are my guys. 
all of the players of our guys, but in any moment when someone says that, it's because they're thinking of a, like a particular story or something. Um, and yeah, that group is one Steph Fry, like legend, like amazing individual. Uh, it's like having, um, I don't know. It's like, it's like having this person that has been in the game so long and knows himself so well that I just, I get to help support and understand. So I learned so much as a coach from being able to work with him. Cleveland, Thomas, like those two, I, I love those two. Uh, they're all about getting better. Um, and, and that's exciting. And then Jacob in his first year on the first team, like uh, I'm so happy he's here and he's going to grow so much. Uh, he's already grown a lot and he's just going to continue to grow. So I'm excited for him. If if you had to pick a favorite kit that you would wear, you know, for the rest of your life, you can only pick one of them. Would you pick Jimmy Chicago's yeah, neighborhood kit or the Jimi Hendrix kit? There you go. Jimi Hendrix, hand down. Um, yeah, I actually have one. That's how much I like it is. Uh, I think they just launched the Bruce Lee kit yes. today. Um, but that Jimi Hendrix one is just one it's purple it's rad uh and just everything about it the bright colors the swagginess like you can dress it up dress it down people don't know if it's a sports jersey or a piece of vintage apparel perfect yeah it's it's super sick I do like I do like the new kit the new uh the new red kit what is it the Bruce Lee kit you said yeah mm -hmm. it is it is pretty slick I, I'm usually a traditional yeah. and to the Chicago the Chicago neighborhood kit, really cool idea to have like as someone not from Chicago, something that has every neighborhood on there. So I know like when I was talking to Casey and some of the players that have been in Chicago a long time, like they really enjoyed that one. Um, I think that the Bruce Lee kit is cool. It's different, but my favorite, like you can't touch Hendrix. And in terms of recent hairdos, who would you rather have recommend to you, Jordan Morris or Megan Rapino? Ooh, uh, so JMO, I like the blonde. I, I like it. I think it's great. I think it's swaggy. I think he's swaggy. Um, Tino, I don't know personally. So talking about someone's hair without knowing them personally is hard. It's like I don't have the full story of the ethos of the hair. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think that I'd probably go JMO. The pink during the world cup was iconic. That was, I, oh. I remember I was like, what is she going to come up with? And then she came up with the pink and I was like, that, that looks cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that, you know, uh, it's, there's very few things that we get to do different when we're talking jerseys, uniforms, and games. And I love the tattoos or however players want to express themselves, particularly their hair given that I love that I have swaggy hair uh, is a cool touch. And so for her to do that on the world's biggest stage, awesome. And then last fun question. If you had to pick a player on the Sounders and the, the Red Stars to team up together, they had to put together your game day outfit. Who would it be? That's a good, uh, so I actually rate the players on their game day outfits like it's like just a little it's not an official thing I just am like okay or not okay <laughs> here um 
ooh, if I have their budget, not my budget, um, Albert Ruznak. Mm-hmm. And who on Chicago? I'm probably going my get my girl Casey Short because or Casey Kruger because she knows me well enough to know where I'll go and where I won't go. So those two together, I've got Euro and I've got Best of America put together. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You got a lot of different flavor there. Um, yeah. It just final final question back to the soccer. What are what are your goals for this season? What are you what are you hoping for and you know what? What are some some games maybe that you have circled on the calendar that you can't wait to to see the guys play against? You know, I get excited for training as much as I do for games, because for me, it's the training leading up to games that that's where we do all the work. So I'm excited for every game. I'm excited for if a player goes down and plays with our second team. I it does not matter. Who do I want to beat? Charlotte. I'm from North Carolina. Like that, that it makes no other sense than that. So uh, besides that, as a sounder, I want to compete in every game. I want to win every trophy and I want to support this team and this organization in winning everything possible. So leagues cup, let's go. Open cup, let's go. Whatever the vision and intent set by the technical staff and the players, that's what I'm behind. Well, Megan Young, thank you so much for joining us here um, at Last Word on Soccer. This is truly a, a treat. Who would have thought an Instagram message would have would have led to this? Uh, no problem. Power <laughs> social. It yeah, it, it was wonderful. And and if I get out to Seattle this season, I will definitely be sending you another message for sure. Um, Absolutely. Thanks again to Megan for that awesome interview. It was great to talk to her, get to pick her brain about all things player health and get to pick her brain about her experiences as well. We can't close out the show, of course, without thanking our other two sponsors. So thank you again to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. They are the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And then friends, are you tired of looking... And, and tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Are you looking for a unique complete? Starting over, three, two, one. And friends, are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Are you looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. With the motto, any design you want, seriously, let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you after MLS Week 2 for some reaction from the group and all of us.